I would like to acknowledge that the land that this podcast is recorded on is the traditional lands of the Ghana people. I would like to acknowledge that the traditional owners of these lands are still the custodians of this region and that their cultural and heritage beliefs are still as important to them today. We recognise that simply acknowledging country does nothing to give the land back to its traditional owners. We strive towards reconciliation for all Australians and we recognise that reconciliation starts by acknowledging, understanding and educating ourselves on the past in order to work towards making a better future. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Hello and welcome to Bright Psych with Danny, where we talk mental health, learning and everything in between. Although we will be chatting about psychology and well-being, the content of this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not constitute therapy, nor is this podcast intended as a substitute for professional mental health or medical care. Please seek assistance from a qualified mental health or medical professional to obtain advice or psychological treatment that is tailored to your specific needs. Adversity can come in many forms, but the paradox that some of it can actually be good, is that really true? Today, we are going to explore how we can find ways to build strength through adversity. If you're like me, living through COVID-19 has been like having a mirror held up for how we all cope with big challenges and changes in our lives. How are we able to build something positive out of stressful times? And how can we help our young people to build the same skill set? This skill set is called emotional resilience, and it is an important skill to master. This is the first of two episodes that we're bringing to you on the topic. Today, we are going to be looking at emotional resilience and how we can learn to cope and flourish through life's changes. I'm going to be speaking with Claire. She is an educator and a parent. She's been willing to share her lived experience in applying many of the skills that emotionally resilient people use and how she is nurturing her children to build strength through the face of adversity. We'll also be exploring what the leading researchers in the field have found contributes to resilience and how we can start to harness the positive effects of stress and adversity and pass those skills on to the next generation. Welcome to our first episode of Bright Psych with Danny. Today, we're going to be talking about emotional resilience and how we can build strength through adversity. So we're going to dive into a conversation pretty much straight away. We're going to talk about some of the literature and some of the research that has been done. And we are very lucky today to have a special guest with us. Her name is Claire. Welcome, Claire. Thank you. Thanks for having me. No worries. So Claire is an incredible human being, one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. She is a unicorn, rainbow, sunshine, fairy dust in, wow. <laughs> in a person. We love her so much. She is one of the most strong, capable and resilient people that I know. Um, so she's also a mum of two beautiful children as well. Is there anything that I miss, Claire? What do you do? <laughs> cool. Um, I don't know, the unicorn rainbow. <laughs> Sunshine fairy right. dust. Yep. Take me back. Yeah, no. I'm mum and educator. Yeah. Doing learning lots of different things. And being amazing. Oh, thank it. you very much. Aww. 
So today, so what we're going to do is we're going to be starting off by talking about what emotional resilience is, how we can build it and how we can help foster that in our young people as well. And what we can do to help support our young people build emotional resilience over time. The reason that we've got Claire in with us is because she, as I said before, she's one of the most emotionally resilient people that I know she has been through a pretty big bout of adversity in her past. And we're going to talk a little bit about that, but we're also going to be talking about, we're going to be focusing more on how she got through that period of time when things weren't all sunshine, daisies, unicorns. (laughs) (laughs) To start off with, what is emotional resilience? So there's a really nice quote that I came across uh, from a person that you probably know of. Her name is Pink, also known as Alicia Moore. She is a pop artist. She's been around for a while. Yeah. (laughs) And so her quote was that resilience is a muscle flexed enough and it will take less effort to get over the emotional punches over time. And that's essentially what we're going to be talking about today. So, you know, the word resilience, it comes from a Latin word, resilio, and that translates to bounce back or retaliate. And so if we think about it, your emotional resilience is our ability to kind of bounce back, overcome those emotional punches Mm -hmm. and just keep getting through it and evolving through it and shifting from that mentality of, I'm not able to get through this. I can't Mm. take this anymore. And more into that, like, how can I learn from this? How can I grow from this? Yeah. 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 Um, So if we just kind of pause there, we know Mm -hmm. what resilience is now. And we can pretty much guarantee that everyone has gone through. Oh, absolutely. Something. (laughs) Some big things. Um, Pretty significant challenges, Mm -hmm. even like those significant like life, those transitions in life where big changes happen as well. And one that's not really spoken about a lot is um, when, when people become parents. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's a big transition. It's a huge transition and it's a huge change. And a lot of people, I think, really underestimate how much of a big change to one's lifestyle. Yes. That is as well. Yeah. Yeah, The identity shift or awakening or. Yeah. Yeah. And that shift away from who you are as a person and the things that you really enjoy doing. And then into like suddenly someone else is the center of. Yeah. Your life and the center of your attention. Yeah. Having someone who's completely dependent on you. Yeah. To survive. <laughs> a bit different. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yes. And so like even like those significant challenges that we have in life as well. So if we, you know, the listeners, like we can just pause for a moment and think about the times in your life. I can pretty much guarantee that everyone's experienced either the loss of a loved one, had your heart broken being the victim of infidelity, failed an exam, being bullied, lost a job, or even if someone that you've loved has had to cope with a mental illness, Mm. a brain injury, significant physical illness, hospitalization, dementia, um, or, you know, if we're looking at those changes in life when Mm -hmm. we have been made like redundant from a job or when we've had our own illnesses or injuries that stopped us from achieving a specific aspiration, whether that be mm-hmm. a sporting aspiration or otherwise, you become a parent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you haven't, or if you haven't gotten to the course or field of study that you anticipated that you would have yeah. gone down. Yeah. 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 These are the big really ones for a lot of people. Yeah. 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 Um, and it's like, 
it's really, really hard during those times because you kind of go down, you're driving down like your perfect bitumen road. It's nice and sealed. There's no road bumps. You're cruising along the highway. And then suddenly this big thing comes into your life and it topples your car over. You're, You're swerved off the road completely and it throws you into the dirt. And you get thrown out of your car. You're forced to trudge through a swamp over a mountain through the backcountry and onto a completely different road that's, you know, pretty sketchy mm-hmm. and dirt, and dirt mm-hmm. road that's completely unfamiliar to you. And it's hot. Yeah. 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 It's really hot. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, I think about, like, you know, some of my biggest adversities mm-hmm. that have happened in my life. Like, I think probably the biggest two ones has been – um when my mum was in hospital a few yes. years ago, yeah, she had a she was perfectly healthy, and then one day she collapsed at work. She ended up having two brain aneurysms, yeah, and it was terrifying. She she's okay now, but she almost died, and it was quite a out really, of nowhere, out of nowhere, yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. when it becomes really, really hard. Is when it does kind of come out of nowhere. Yeah. Speaking of coming out of nowhere, my a breakup that I had. <laughs> yeah, coming out of yeah. your own thing. <laughs> and um, you know that like significant Ooh. relationship breakdowns as yeah. well, and kind of come out of the blue. And it feels at the time as though like the world is closing in on you, mm-hmm. and you 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 can't really see. You can't really see out of that. Yeah, absolutely. It's just so overwhelming. Survival mode. Yeah. yeah. And one foot um, in front of the other. Yeah, one foot in front of the other. Mm. And you don't know if you're going to get through it. And and we do. Mm. And we do. So, yeah. yeah. How about you, Claire? Yeah. <laughs> um, in, yeah. Well, I was thinking the biggest thing that kind of came to my mind then was just, you know, we think we've got so much control mm. and it's. I think those times especially make you realize that we actually don't have as much control or any control over a lot of things that we think we do. And then it's, yeah, learning how to navigate those expectations, things that come up about, you know, feeling like you've failed a certain objective. Even just like the the fear of failure as well is a huge one and feeling as though you've like let other people down as well. Yeah, you'll come out of those adversity, those situations where you do face that adversity. It's yeah, yeah so many expectations that we place on ourselves, and we think that other people place on us as well. Yeah, absolutely scary. I think personally, one thing for me was that that feeling of I've let myself down. Yeah. That shattered me more than feeling like I've let other people down. Was that deep feeling of yeah? Oh, how did I not recognize this? Or how have I? let myself get to this point wow it's that hindsight yeah oh massive Mm. yeah (laughs) but yeah I can relate to a lot of things on that list like relationship issues um and breakups loss of loved ones like Mm. grandparents especially those big kind of relationships in your life that Mm. you know life doesn't really look the same after after they're gone and yeah learning how to navigate those things and I think friendships as well is a huge one especially going through schooling and then when life changes and people's pathways change yeah navigating the efforts that you put into Mm. friendships and yeah all of those lessons Mm. within that yeah but I think going I guess a bit more personal I think for myself even though I have had some big challenges in my life I see my life through a, a lens of of trust really in that like I know that well I believe that nothing that I'm given I'm not strong enough to to go through and yeah. and handle and 
yeah, whatever I am given, I'm strong enough to go through. I'm strong enough to ask for help. Yes. And I recognize it and need it, even yes. though I'm still sometimes working on that lesson. So I have to work on that yeah. as well myself. Yeah. Yep. yeah, I think that's really important and mm. something that we all need to probably work on because I guess society as a whole yeah. kind of has taught us to to manage it all, yeah. go it alone. Yeah. And it's so interesting that you say that is like when it comes to the type of society that we live in in Australia, you know, generally speaking, from, from the cultures that we come from, yeah. it's very individualistic. And so. it's you rely on yourself and you have to get through it yourself and you can't ask for help because there's that, that, that cognitive distortion that asking for help makes you weak. <laughs> it's, it's quite the opposite. Huge, yeah. yeah, it's such a strength to be able to recognise in yeah. yourself when you need assistance and mm-hmm. to be able to, yeah, be brave mm-hmm. enough to... Ask for, ask for it. it. Yeah, absolutely. Because then that comes with its own things to navigate around again, expectations yes. or feeling let down or yes, yeah, all of those things. Mm, definitely. And I, I think about even the huge collective adversity that we had to go through mm. with COVID mm-hmm. as well. That was a huge shock to the system when yeah. that all happened. There was huge changes happening so suddenly in our lives that we had to adapt to really, really quickly. Mm-hmm. And we think about it from you know, every single person in the whole world had to adapt really, really quickly to snap lockdown protocols. Yeah. And, you know, you think about even if we're looking at from from the school perspective, mm-hmm you know, educators had to suddenly transition into online learning yeah, and something that I'm guessing hasn't really been covered that much in university courses, no. if at all. Yeah. So no. Shock. Yeah, massive yep. shock. <laughs> yeah, so, I think a yeah. lot of people, and not just in education, mm. but in lots of different careers, mm. you know, did leave yes. their careers at that point in time because yes. that change and shock is, yeah, huge. Yeah, it's huge. And, like, we think about parents having to be at home with their kids whilst they're trying to work from home and then trying to educate their child yeah. from home and look after their screaming baby. It's a lot <laughs> going home. on. It's, it's, it's a, a lot. lot. It's a lot. And, you know, we're not able to reach out to those friends and family yeah. for support yeah. as well or being able to, you know, to to see our friends face-to-face and have those conversations, just having that gap. Mm. was really really hard for for yeah very isolating yeah yeah isolating that's the word yeah Yeah. definitely yeah how was your sort of experience in COVID (laughs) to be honest I think the beginning of COVID was when I was just beginning to be in my survival mode from coming out of a marriage and domestic abuse Mm -hmm. situation so I was really in survival mode during that time so to be honest yeah COVID was just the last of my um concerns probably up until the the lockdown happened yeah and at that point in time where we were living where my children and I were living didn't have access to you know backyard or garden Mm. or anything like that so it was just starting to think like oh yeah if we are sort of bailed up in here for a week or whatever it is how are we going to all manage in this small space so small yeah so yeah I think luckily for me I had community yeah very um always helpful community and I was able to stay with my parents during that time which was really good yeah, set up wonderful. a little tent in the backyard oh, and with quite a little adventure <laughs> for my children that. they would so, have loved 
they're they're little nature kids aren't they yeah Yeah. Yeah. they are I love it and it was good for me to kind of then just mentally have that space yes okay there are other adults here who can help share the load so yeah very lucky I know that you know that's a rare situation yeah yeah so I can only imagine how that would have felt so so many so Mm. isolating yeah 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 I, I was I was pretty lucky during COVID as well. I mean, I've got my wonderful husband. He's yeah. incredible. Yeah. So I always had his support. I think during the start of the first lockdown mm-hmm. period, it felt, weirdly, it felt for me like kind of exciting because it was still like novel. Like yeah, I was, I was okay. scared. Yeah. But it was still exciting because it was such a novel experience. It's like, mm. oh, we're going into lockdown. Oh, everyone's like panicking buying toilet paper. Did you remember that? <laughs> yeah strange oh, strange it was yeah things wild I know Panic. yeah <laughs> and so like I think it was probably about 10 or 12 weeks that I was working at home that's a time. long time yeah while my husband was still going to work yeah, so because okay. he was an essential worker yeah I technically was as well but I could work remotely okay. and so he was an essential worker so he was still going to work all day interacting with people um, I'm an extrovert. You really <laughs> in are. Case, in case you really are. Um, yeah, I'm very loud. Yeah. So tough for it was you. really hard. And so my husband comes home from work and I'm just like <laughs> in his face the whole time. Um, because I hadn't had any human contact. Mm. And I started going a little bit loopy, probably about eight week oh, period. I think. Just well, yeah. Just yeah. I think for I'm sure a lot of other mental health professionals and other frontline workers can really relate with this where you're helping people with their own mental health mm. difficulties whilst sharing that collective experience of yeah of hardship with so the, tricky and it was, a, yeah, it was a really mm. hard thing to navigate for me personally like talking to people about how difficult it is for them and and feeling that yourself it was it was tough yeah yeah, yeah. and I guess the good thing about um or oh, not good the more positive thing about COVID, though, I noticed that in 2021, when we had a snap lockdown mm-hmm. at some point in 2021, I'm not sure. Don't ask I, me. I've yeah. lost it. <laughs> and, and it was, we were at work and we were watching the live updates on mm-hmm. Facebook mm-hmm. and they announced we're going into a snap lockdown. And it was like, oh, oh, okay. okay. Mm-hmm. But. It was very interesting because no one was really panicking and everyone kind of just took it in their stride and we knew what we had to do and no one ran to the shops to do any panic buying yeah. because we knew that the shops were going to be open yeah. and no one was like bulk buying toilet paper. I'm sure people still were, <laughs> but no one that I knew was still bulk buying toilet paper. Yeah. And um, we just kind of got on with it. Mm. And I think that speaks a lot to the emotional resilience that society built towards COVID. Absolutely. As yeah. well. Yeah. 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 That's so interesting. Mm. Let's just pause here for a moment of reflection on what we've covered so far. We've learned that emotional resilience is a skill set that helps us to bounce back in the face of adversity. And we have learned that adversity does not discriminate. We can be pretty confident that the vast majority of people have faced an unexpected change or challenge at some point, whether we're adults, adolescents or children. Speaking of reflection, 
Now might be a good moment to reflect upon some of the times where you have faced an unexpected change or a big challenge in your life. How have you learnt from that experience? How did you get through to the other side? And what about the other people in our lives? Is there a young person in your life who's also faced some adversity in the past? How have you supported them through those times? Next up, we're going to look into what the leading researchers have found contributes to higher levels of resilience. We're also going to unpack how it is that exposure to some levels of stress can be a good thing and how encouraging and supporting young people to sit with the discomfort of controlled distress can actually help to build emotional resilience. Our next segment, we're going to be talking about how adversity can lead to stronger resilience. So we know now that adversity doesn't discriminate. No. <laughs> no, 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 it doesn't. And if you're listening, I think we've, we've definitely determined that you probably have gone through a really, really rough time in your life. And unfortunately, not everything can be sunshine, daisies, unicorns and yeah. fairy dust. <laughs> <laughs> and it would be nicer if it was. <laughs> However, what we do know from the research in the field of emotional resilience is that about half of your ability to be resilient comes from genetics. Which means, I know, yeah. Wow, which, okay. Um, which was a surprise to me as well. Mm. I thought it would have been less. What, would, you, would you have thought it would have been yeah, less? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So apparently there is a, yeah, genetic component of emotional resilience, which also means that, which means that half of it can actually be taught. Yeah, And that's half of really it can cool. be, yeah, mm. can be built through experience. And so what that means is that we have a lot of space in that 100% to be yeah. resilient yeah. throughout our lifetime. And it is such a skill, I think. Mm. Like, yeah, I look at things that we've done as a family that have really built that mm -hmm. resilience, even just talking about emotional resilience. Yes, yes. Yeah. talking about emotional resilience, being aware of your own emotions mm. and what we call emotional literacy as well. Mm. So being able to be aware of what emotions you're feeling, mm -hmm. what that emotion name is, why you might be feeling it. And yeah, why? Why? <laughs> why? Why is the big one? Yeah. <laughs> and also being able to understand is the emotion that I am experiencing, is that actually my primary emotion mm. or is that a secondary emotion that's hiding my yes, primary nice. emotion. So I'm going to go on a bit of a tangent here. Oh, I love, love yeah, it. Yeah, we love, love that. Tangents. So <laughs> if we think about the emotion of anger, mm -hmm. it's a very strong, powerful, dominating yeah. sort of emotion. And it doesn't often feel like you're, you, you don't really feel very vulnerable when you're no. expressing the emotion of anger. And so a lot of the time, if we are, there, there are times where anger is a very, correct emotion to be experiencing mm -hmm. and a lot of the time it can be masking another emotion so really what might be mm -hmm. going on underneath that anger is that we're really disappointed or we're scared or we're really really sad about something and yeah. so those are very three very vulnerable emotions that we can just kind of mask yeah with anger I feel like any time I've been angry is actually because of one of those the other three. things going on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And so that's where emotional intelligence yeah. can be a really good skill to start learning. I mean, from a very young age as yeah. well. Yeah. 
to be able to understand, well, what am I actually feeling? What's going on for me? So that we can work through what's actually going on. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. 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 So that's my little tangent. I love it. Yeah. I love watching my children talk about their emotions. Yeah. And I'm always blown away at how mm. well they can articulate how they're feeling and why. And it yeah. is like, oh, it's really blowing yeah. how good they yeah. are at that. Yeah. It's it's very cool. Yeah. Like do we lose that mm. or are we coming back to that in society now where it's we're talking about it more, we're educating ourselves more? I think we're talking about it more and yeah. educating ourselves more. Yeah. It's a very important skill to learn. Oh, yeah, yeah, so important. So back from my segue. <laughs> <laughs> so there is a researcher. Her name's Dr Justine Gatt. She's from the University of New South Wales. She's done a huge amount of research into emotional resilience and she's found that the biggest things that can help emotional resilience from childhood through to adulthood is firstly an enriched and stimulating environment and that's particularly in childhood. So we think about you know a child mm -hmm. who's just sitting in an empty room with four walls mm -hmm. is going to be a lot less resilient than a kid who has access to you know a backyard with a swing set or mm. a tree to climb in mm -hmm. and lots of enriching toys and yeah. things like that. Yeah. yeah. And so the second one that she was saying contributes to emotional resilience is building positive and secure relationships with people like caregivers, at least one caregiver, as well as social supports from teachers and peers. Thirdly, a good sense of belonging and community values. And finally, really positive support from either close friends or a supportive partner throughout those major life transition points. So yeah, like nice. when you're about to leave school yeah. or when you graduate from university or when you start your first job or when mm. you get married or when you go through a divorce mm. or you know, those really yeah. big life transition points that we have. And so she also found that there are, unsurprisingly, physical factors that impact emotional resilience as well. So she was talking about the people with lower well-being tend to have more unhealthy eating patterns, mm -hmm. poorer sleep and lower levels of exercise, whilst those with higher well-being tended to choose more nutritious food options more often, mm. uh, had better sleep at night and had higher levels of exercise. So, figure. yeah, mm. go figure. So <laughs> the next thing that we're going to talk about is about stress. It's a normal uh, part of life. Yes, it is. It can be exhausting though. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And so stress is a funny one because it impacts so much more than just our mental health mm -hmm. and how we interact with other people. We mm -hmm. know that stress can impact our memory functioning mm -hmm. because there's a pretty huge hormone that's involved in stress production is cortisone. Mm -hmm. Um Cortisone? Cortisol. 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 There we go. So cortisol, it flushes the brain when we're really, really stressed and that really impacts our memory. It can also impact our sleep. It can impact our weight mm -hmm. as well. So a lot of people, oh, yeah. they've done a lot of research around people who are actively trying to exercise and eat healthy and lose weight. And one of the biggest things that can stop them from from losing weight is the stress, stress going on in their life. It's it's wow. wild how much it impacts so much. It lives. is so wild. Yeah. 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 I'm thinking back to the opposite where, yeah, stress just saw weight coming off me mm. like nothing yeah. before, you know, unintentionally. Yeah. And, yeah, and, I, and probably I can think back to moments in life where stress has also seen me not shift 
any weight yes. when I've been eating really well and exercising yes. well. Yeah, too. it impacts it so, so much. And it's it's that that brain-body connection mm-hmm. that often isn't spoken about. Mm-hmm. And we talk about our physical health. It's like, well, we've got to keep our, our brains healthy as well in order to keep our bodies healthy. Yeah, it's phenomenal that controls the rest. They, yes. yes. As we're talking about stress, we know that really significant amounts of stress can be quite harmful mm-hmm. to our physical health and our mental health. But research has also shown that exposure to what's called mild controlled distresses when you're young helps to build emotional resilience. I'm not talking Mm. about massive trauma or anything. We're talking about mild controlled distress. So these are things like exam Mm -hmm. periods. Mm -hmm. It's pretty normal to be stressed during an exam period leading up to, you know, studying for exams or when we have a billion assignments due at the same time, when we're going Mm -hmm. through school or university or TAFE, or when we have a friendship drama and, you know, we're fighting with our friends. And these these are all things that are pretty normal Mm. growing up. I don't like using that word, but it is pretty normal growing up to have these mild controlled distresses. And it's important to have these experiences because a young person can help they can learn to cope with manageable threats and that helps build resilience. Yeah. And so there's so many opportunities for young people to learn from mild or manageable stress. And with the help of supportive adults, this kind of stress can be really growth promoting. And what we know from today is that adversity and pain is part of life and it yeah. can't be avoided. Yeah. And so we we have to get through it and yeah. we have to grow learn the from it. to manage exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm thinking about when some of those mild controlled distresses mm-hmm. <laughs> when I was a kid. Yeah. I was a competitive swimmer growing up. Yeah. Uh, so like your national sort of level. But before that, my sister, who's four years older than me, she yeah. was also a competitive swimmer mm-hmm. and she made me want to become a swimmer as well and every now and then she'd go to a swimming carnival and she'd win a medal and then you know eight-year-old Danny would be like I want medals like (laughs) I want to win a swimming competition my mom and dad were just like well you got to do it in order to win and I'm like oh okay and so (laughs) from from a young age I learned what it was like to lose at something because I was in competitive sports from quite a young Young. age yeah And you'd be training for an event, you know, state championships would be coming up and you might not podium or you might be expecting to come first, but you come second. And it hurts to not win something that you were expecting to win. And that's how you learn how to lose and how to, it it puts a fire in your belly to try harder and do more. and more, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it also teaches you what to do and what not to do when you're feeling sad, overwhelmed, stressed, things like that. Can you think of any times when maybe you've been (laughs) exposed to some mild mild controlled distress? (laughs) Yeah, I think if I'm thinking back to schooling, sort of childhood, uh, I can think of, you know, friendship issues in terms of even things like from very young or you can't be friends with so-and-so mm. if you want to be friends with me you know those oh my gosh those I kind of dramas that. yeah yeah <laughs> I remember I that. remember doing and yeah I think 
probably socially is where I'm thinking are more of my Mm -hmm. sort of mild stresses. Yeah. But yeah, learning through, and again, through adults, learning how to talk about that or strategies to, yeah, to help you navigate those dramas and having like that role model to help you to problem solve it yes problem solving that's what I'm trying to think of and I think probably stand out for me Mm -hmm. is I had told myself that I was never really good at maths same well I am actually I'm okay at maths oh really well done (laughs) I'm not (laughs) but yeah I was seeing myself fail tests Mm -hmm. And then the self-talk and emotional Mm. (laughs) patterns that went with that where you just started to tune out from the lessons anyway because you felt like, well, I just can't get this. I'm I'm not smart enough to understand this anyway, so I'm not going to try. Yeah, I remember even falling asleep in class once because I just tuned out so much. (laughs) Yeah. It wasn't until sort of getting to that point of like, okay, you're actually going to fail this Mm. if you don't try try or, or try some different things yeah ask for help (laughs) thank you there it is (laughs) and so yeah that's what I ended up doing was getting a tutor to help me in maths and it I think I went from like a d to a b oh my gosh over maybe it was a term or something just incredible having someone explain things to me in a different way yeah Okay. Yeah. I and do actually get this. that interesting. We're going to talk a little bit about it later, but that's a really good example of you know how we speak about like fixed versus growth mindset. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so that fixed that mindset. That was a very fixed mindset. Yeah, yeah. Very fixed mindset. Being like, I'm not good at maths. Mm-hmm. Why even bother? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be able to understand this anyway. Yeah. And then you kind of gave yourself a little kick up the butt. <laughs> I'm, the, the fear kind of got the better of you and then kind of almost forcing yourself into that growth mindset and being like well I I do I actually do want to pass this yeah. I do want to give it a good crack yeah and and you started believing in yourself and being like well I can I can learn do this. and yeah. I can ask for help and mm-hmm. I just needed it explained to me in a different way yeah and you went up to a B that's it's pretty it's pretty impressive I'm yes. quite impressed Thanks. yeah, yeah. And so I guess what we kind of learn from this is that there are ways that we can get through mm. these mild controlled distresses. Yeah. And so it's things like being stressed for exams, leaving assignments to the last minute, losing a game or a race in, in something that you care about, or even those social things like mm-hmm. not being asked to go to a party yeah. or, yep. you know, I won't be friends if, if you're friend, from, yeah, being yeah. excluded. So these are all those mild or stressful life events and they actually do help us cope with those bigger challenging life events that come up in the future and it teaches us how to and how not to cope with Mm. things effectively in the future and each repeated experience helps us to build that resilience and so we can we can start to learn these resilience skills from any age Mm. with all you know usually in those earlier ages with adult support and adult help and then as as children learn and grow and develop into their teens late teens adolescence then they start to be able to do it for themselves Mm. and it's like it's almost as though so empowering you need to get to that stage. It yeah. is. Yeah. It's like, oh, I can do this. I can mm. get through this. And if I do need help, I know that I can ask for it as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so each repeated experience of adversity helps build that resilience. It's almost like a vaccine. And so we're given like a mild dose of the adverse thing early on in life so that our minds and our bodies can learn how to cope with the bigger things mm. in the future. Yeah. It's important to note that in terms of positive effects of stress in the short term, it actually has benefits for performance. 
So if we think about a mild dose of stress Mm -hmm. or a mild dose of nerves, you think about loose butterflies in your stomach. We want to think about the athlete lining up to start a race. They're Mm -hmm. at the start line. They're on the blocks. They're ready to go. What's happening for that athlete in that moment is that they're feeling the butterflies Mm -hmm. in their stomach. They're feeling probably like a little bit clammy. Their muscles are feeling a little bit jittery. They're a little bit tense. Their heart rate's a little bit fast, but Mm -hmm. it's not too fast. It's just a little bit fast. And so all of this nerves can actually improve performance in an athlete's race to a certain extent. And so to that certain extent, we we want a little bit of stress. Mm -hmm. That's your sweet spot. If we don't have any nerves and we don't have any stress, then we're pretty, it probably means that we don't really care. Yeah. And it probably means that we don't want to try. We're not going to put the effort in. Then we've got the other side of that where too much anxiety can lead to problems. Mm -hmm. So a classic example of this is, do you remember the 2016 Olympics in Rio? There was Kate Campbell, our Australian 100-meter freestyle swimmer. Yeah, so we love Kate Campbell. She's an Australian treasure. And so Kate Campbell was lining up for her 100-meter freestyle final race Mm -hmm. and she was the favorite to win the gold medal in the Rio Olympics and she, she didn't win. She came fifth. She, I'm pretty sure she had broken an Olympic record in the semi-final race as well. So yeah, she was okay. going and she just bombed out. And she said it was her nerves got so overwhelming and so much for her, it okay. went too far. Hmm. And so it's it's something that's based on a theory called the Yerkes-Dodson law and performance. So it's a sort of stress performance curve. And I'll leave a, I'll leave a link for this in the show notes. But when we're experiencing low periods of stress, you know, having no stress at all isn't necessarily a good thing for performance. Mm. You're not going to be challenged. You're not going to have that incentive to try. And even in like workplace or schoolwork, the work will feel meaningless. You don't really care. Yeah, okay. And you kind of do the bare minimum. Then we've got the other end of the curve, which is that really high stress. That's when we're overstressed. And that's when our arousal is too high. Our heart beats really fast. It's unsettling and it's distracting and overwhelming. The stress and anxiety are ramping up to an unmanageable level. We've lost our focus and we're not really reaching our full potential. And our anxiety and stress are just working against us. That's Mm -hmm. that burnout Mm -hmm. sort of end of the spectrum. And then we've got in the middle what's called our optimal stress. So this is where that moderate level of stress goes a really, really long way. It's manageable, it's motivational, and it's performance enhancing as well. Our heart beats a little bit faster, but there's that sense of clarity and and, and alertness and your brain and body are fired up to perform. And so this is the sort of stress that we want to feel before a race that we want to feel before going in for a job interview yeah because it means that we care you want it yeah you want it Mm -hmm. and it's the same sort of stress that we might have before entering the exam room as well Mm. we want to do well that's a good stress Mm. it helps motivate us to study and to do well and to try harder yeah so that's what we want This brings us to the end of part one of our two-part episode on emotional resilience. In part two of this episode, our special guest, Claire, is going to be chatting with us about her own experiences of emotional adversity and how she has worked through these tough times to get through to the other side. 
We'll also be exploring what kind of characteristics emotionally resilient people develop and what strategies and skills you can use to help promote resilience for yourself and to foster this in our young people too. Be sure to check out the show notes that we've left, which direct you to some resources, further information and supports. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of Bright Psych with Danny. Until next time.